0: Hey there, thank you so much for clicking on this message today. I wanted to take a minute just to introduce myself. My name is Jean-Michel, and together with my wife, I lead Collective Church. And you're going to hear a message preached from one of our Sunday services, and I really pray that it blesses you today. So thank you again for clicking on, and enjoy the sermon. today God is going to speak something powerful and we're going to read a story and if you've got your Bibles you can turn to the book of Exodus if it's on your phone you can just get the Bible app out and get that we're not going to read just yet but it's in Exodus 17 you can get that ready because we're going to jump into that in a few minutes but as we open up today it's a story that you might have heard before. In fact, if you're new to church, this whole idea will be quite interesting. I'm, I'm very excited for anyone who's new to church because this story is, is one of those amazing, inexplicable miracle stories, and it's really beautiful. If you've been in church for a long time, then maybe you already know this story. Maybe you um, have heard it a couple of times. Well, I'm telling you, today is a word in season. If you know this story, God's got something for you, man. Come on, God's got something for you. He's got something for me. And so I want to start off today just talking about an idea. Who here loves sport? Anybody in this room? Okay, we've got three hands, four hands. Come on, you guys are lying. Who else loves sport, right? Yeah, okay, we've got some big hands. I love it. Okay, cool. If you don't love sport, you can just turn off for the next five minutes. You don't need to listen to my story. But it's, it's, it's going to be funny anyway. But here, so here's the thing. I love sport. I grew up in a house. If any of you were privileged to know my grandmother, my mom's mom, I grew up with her. She lived in a cottage on our property. And uh, she was all about sport right? Just never ending, right? That's what she watched. That's what she was excited about. That's what she did growing up. She was the tennis champion until she was Nine hundred years old, you know, like everybody. And she, no one could beat her at anything. That's just the way it was. She loved sport, and she infected me with that. I also grew up loving sport. She was the one that taught me how to play cricket and how to, you know, play tennis and do all these things. She taught me when I was young, and she also put that that excitement for sport inside my heart. And uh, and you know, there's so many stories around that. And we've kind of said these things before, but my parents will attest to the moments when we thought she was either being murdered or murdering someone. Because whoever was on the screen was not doing what she thought they should do. And the whole neighborhood could hear her scream from her TV room to say she knew better than what these players should do. And there was moments when even I would be scared, you know. If she was in the stadium, I'm sure she was louder than the whole stadium put together. She infected me with that love. And so I also grew up playing sport. And if you grew up playing sport, then you know the the challenge that comes with that. You know the excitement that comes with that, you know the anger and emotion and frustration that comes with that, and even those small moments of maybe even embarrassment, right, and I have so many of those stories, I'm not going to bore you with that, but I just want you to think in your mind, especially if you love sport, when was the last time you were watching that football game and your favorite player was lining up for a shot, it was obvious they were going to score, no one was in front of them, they didn't have an issue, all they had to do was kick the ball at any part of the goal and they were going to score. And yet somehow, they miss.
1: What does that feel like?
0: It feels like a hole could open up in the ground and just swallow that player right now it would be better, we'll just move on with our lives, it's fine. But how imagine, can you imagine it must be for that player in that moment? I have gone through that experience time and time again of getting right to the finish line and dropping the ball or getting right to the edge and tripping and falling. I have had that experience time and time again. And if you've ever had that experience, you know how painful it is to get right the way to the finish line, but not to make it over. Or you're winning right until the end and then something happens and it just, doesn't work out. It's so painful and it's so difficult. And it got me thinking, I was asking God for a word in season for us. And he started to speak to me about the finish line. He started to speak to me about getting across that finish line. You know, in these moments, if you've ever experienced or if you've ever seen someone, or maybe your kid was about to score and then something happens and they don't, we go from the highest high to the lowest low. So quickly it's like from one moment you're on top of the world and the very next moment you might as well not be living it's too much way too much you know, sometimes we feel like this in our lives. I want to be very open and very honest with you. I know who's sitting in this room. I know that God has brought you here to speak to you today. Sometimes we feel like we are running with the ball and we're almost there. And right before the finish line, right before the goal line, right before the touch line, we drop the ball. And when that happens, it feels like, you might as well not have tried at all. What am I talking about? I'm talking about in your marriage. Maybe there are husbands or wives in the room where. For a while you've been going so well and you've been taking care of your spouse and everything's been going well and you know you you're doing everything you can to love that person and, and you know what your relationship is going well and things are looking good and in fact it feels like everything's gonna work out and then something happens and stress at work and your parents and the things come around and then out of nowhere you just lose it with your spouse and you drop the ball and it feels like you're going back ten years. Like all the progress you've made was absolutely worthless. Sometimes we feel like that in our job. We've been putting so much effort into getting to where we want to be. We've been doing well and our boss has been complimenting us and our coworkers are there and supporting us and everything is going well and we feel like that promotion is coming our way and good things are coming to us and then out of nowhere it feels like we dropped the ball and it feels like all the progress we made getting to this point was almost worthless. Why did we even put effort in in the first place? And you know what? How difficult it is to deal with that. And so the title of my message today and the thing we're going to talk about and the word that I believe God is going to encourage you with, the title he gave me is Pick It Up Again. Pick It Up Again. You know, in these moments, sometimes it is so, so difficult to pick it up again. You know, if you're running on that race and the finish line is right there and you fall and everyone goes across the finish line, what is even the point of getting up and crossing that line? We lose heart. We become discouraged. We feel like there's no point anymore. But you know that the sign of a great athlete The sign of a character-filled person is that when they fall, they get up again. That even when life embarrasses you, even when life lets you down, even in the hardest moments, you get up again and you cross that line. You finish your race. You do what you got to do. Why? Because that shows character. That shows heart. And I want to say today that that is one of the most difficult things you will ever have to do. When you drop the ball, to pick it up again. When you're right by the finish line, to get yourself up off the ground. Face that defeat and move forward. You know that in our lives, sometimes we can see the finish line. We can see what the goal is. We can see the goalposts, right? If I think about marriage, we know what it should be like. We can see where we want to go. We know it's right there, right? If I put effort in and I I love my wife and I love my husband and I take care of them, we're going to have a great relationship. We can see what the goal is. And sometimes in that moment, you just slip up and you mess up. But you know that some of us are walking around, it feels like we're walking around in the dark. We don't even know where the goalpost is. We're actually just walking by faith. I don't know if you've ever felt like this. I certainly have. Where you kind of know where the finish line is, you know what it should look like, but you don't know how far away it is. You don't know how much further you have to go and you're trying your very hardest and somewhere along the line, you fall. You trip and you fall, you make a mistake, you do the wrong thing and you end up falling and failing and you don't know how far it is. And you feel God there, you can hear in your mind, you know, get up, try again, stand up, keep going. Character-filled people, we're gonna be those people. I'm gonna move forward in my job, I'm gonna try again. But then a little while later, a few steps later, you seem to fall again and things come against you and it doesn't feel good and you have to try and get up again. And You think, okay, you know what? I'm going to do it again. I'm going to get up again and I'm going to keep moving forward. But you know, every time this happens, it gets harder and harder to get up again. It gets more and more difficult. For some of us in this room, I'm describing how you're feeling right now. You're feeling about your work life, you're feeling about your business, or you're feeling about your relationship, like you're putting in all the effort, but you just can't find the finish line. And we're doing it by faith, we're trusting God, like, God, please get me to the finish line. God, please help my marriage. God, please help me at work. God, you got to get me there because I don't know if I can get there myself. You're trusting in God, sometimes we feel like we've dropped the ball and picked it up so many times that we just don't think we can pick it up again. And in fact, that's who I'm here to speak to today. Maybe you've even given up on that thing. Maybe you've given up on your dream. Maybe you've given up on that promotion. Maybe you've given up in your marriage. Maybe you're feeling like, you know what, I just can't do this anymore. I seem to mess up so much. I seem to do the wrong thing all the time. And so you know what, I don't think I can do this anymore. If you're in that place right now, I've been there. I know what that feels like. And I'm here with you because I know God has a message for you. In the back of your mind, just keep saying, get up again get up again, get up again. But you know what today? I'm here to encourage you, pick it up again. Come on church, I'm here to encourage you, pick it up again. Come on, it's quiet in this church. I'm here to encourage you, pick it up again. Again, come on, you're going to get up again. You are going to make it. Your marriage is going to succeed. Your job is going to work out. You are going to grow your business. You are going to grow in ministry. You are going to do it. I'm telling you today, I'm here to encourage you today that no matter how dark it seems, no matter how difficult it seems, you're going to pick it up again and you're going to find your way to the finish line because God will never let you fall so far that you can't get up again. Come on. If you've ever felt this way, there's a guy in the Bible, his name is Moses. We're going to talk about him. Remember I said Exodus 17? You can get your Bibles out. It's going to be on the screens if you need to. We're going to read this scripture together. He felt exactly like this. And you know, a couple of months ago, last year sometime, we, we did a, a short message series, three weeks, about Moses. And it was all about Um, your calling the series was called um, help i've missed my calling right and i want to encourage you if you want to know more about moses we, we look at him as this giant in this bible the the one of the amazing heroes of the faith and he definitely was but he was so normal he was such a normal human being with faults and failures yet god took him to exactly where he needed him to be and it's an amazing story so i encourage you to go and check that out this moment in Moses' life, you know, in that series we explored Moses up until where he kind of stepped into the call and got the Israelites out and became who God called him to be. But this moment is a little bit later. If you're new to church, the book of Exodus is a space where um, the, the Hebrew nation, the nation of Israel, is not yet a nation. They're in Egypt and they're slaves. They are um, in bondage and they are ruled over by the Egyptian people and specifically by Pharaoh. And the whole book begins with this guy Moses and how he is placed in a position of influence in order to get the Israelites out of Egypt and to what's called the promised land. And in our way that we can think about it today is that promised land is the finish line. It's the goal. It's the place where you need to be in your marriage. It's the place that you need to be in your work life. That is the promised land. And where we pick up this story, we're actually a little bit into that, that exodus, right? That, that journey from Egypt after all the miracles happened there, they, they go into the desert And then this amazing thing happens. God shines his glory by parting the Red Sea. You might know that story. or Those of us here, we know that story well. Where they go through in the Red Sea and then um, the chariots and Pharaoh all come to try and destroy them. And they go into the sea and God swallows them up in the ocean and protects the, the nation of Israel in such a miraculous and powerful way. And they go over on dry land. And right after that, they go into the desert and there's a whole lot of story that happens and you can go read it from Exodus 12. But we find ourselves just a couple months later, it's about three-ish months after this Red Sea experience, after they've come out of Egypt and they've been walking through the desert. And if you uh, have grown up in church and you know a little bit about the story, you'll know that the Israelites were really, really good at one thing, complaining, They were really good at complaining. They knew how to complain. And it's interesting. I mean, as slaves, they didn't get the chance to complain. So maybe they were catching up on lost time, but they really knew how to complain. And uh, the context of what we're going to read here is that they've come out of Egypt. They're wandering through the desert and they get to this point. They're on their way to an oasis. But at this point, there is just desert. There is just sand. There is no water. There is nothing. There are no trees. There is nothing for miles around. And so the Israelites come to Moses, and they're like, "What are we supposed to do? We have no water. We can't feed our animals. We can't water ourselves. Have you brought us out of Egypt here to die?" And it starts to say in the text that they were crumbling, and they were moaning, and they were complaining. But when it says that, it doesn't really paint the full picture. These guys were mad. They were angry at Moses. They were essentially saying, you have brought us out here just to die in the desert. It would be better if we were still in Egypt. At least there we had water to drink. And Moses runs to God because they are they're getting ready to stone Moses. They want to just take Moses out of the game completely and go back to Egypt. I don't know how they're going to find their way there. I don't know how they're getting back through the Red Sea without Moses. But none of them care at this point. In time they just want Moses gone they feel like Moses is the biggest problem he brought them there to die and that's it and so they're complaining there's no water and you know what can I be real for a second I kind of get where the Israelites are coming from I didn't get any amens I get that that's fine no problem I don't need any amens I kind of get it like I know that they're like complainers and we always like to give them you know bones for being complainers But the reality is there was no water. If I marched all of us into the desert, let's just go to the Karoo, and we'll march for like three months into the desert, to a place where there's nothing. How happy are you going to be? Really happy, right? We're just going to be there with a soccer ball, having a good time, like hanging out. No, we're going to be angry. You guys are not going to be happy with me. I kind of get where these Israelites are coming from. I just want to save for a moment. It's okay. You know, sometimes we are not happy with our situation. Sometimes we look around and things do not make sense. I just want to tell you, it's okay. Do you know that God meets them in this moment? This is the context of what we're about. We're about to read what comes next, but we need to see this to understand God's heart. And so Moses runs to God and he says to him, you got to do something because they're about to stone me to death. Please help me. And God says to him, go to the specific rock And hit it with your staff. And when you do, water will come out. That's exactly what he does. He brings everybody together. He brings the elders together. And he hits this rock and it opens and water comes gushing out. And if you know this story, there were hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of these Israelites. And they were all able to drink of the water that came from this rock. An unbelievable moment where these people came with a need, and God met it. Even though they were so disrespectful about it, God still met them and gave them what they needed. It shows you the heartbeat of God for you and for me, that even in our most difficult moments, even when we're complaining, even when we're being immature, He still wants to meet our need. Yes, He's gonna grow us up. Yes, He grew these Israelites up. He definitely does that in our lives. But I want to tell you today that you can go to God with your needs, even when it's dire, even when it's difficult. He cares. And that's the context to this scripture. You can imagine that the Israelites have gone from one of those really big highs where they saw God just open the Red Sea and make a way for them and wash over and get rid of their enemies. And they sing songs. There's songs in Exodus and they sing these songs to God about how amazing it is. And you just fast forward a couple months and by that time they're done. They're done with God. They're done with the desert. They're done with Moses. They're completely and utterly done. And they go into this low moment where they feel like there's no hope. There's nothing for them. And then God does something miraculous. How many of us have been in this situation before where you've been on a high and it's just, it feels like your legs have been swept up from underneath you and you go from the highest high to the lowest low. All of a sudden, in a matter of hours or a matter of days, things just fall completely apart and you feel like, man, that's just over for me. It's just, there's nothing that's going to work out for me. And then somewhere out of nowhere, God does a miraculous work in your life. He makes the way in your work life or in your relationships he figures things out and you just stand back and you're like wow God this is amazing this is a miracle I believe in God and you go from the highest high to the lowest low back to the highest high that's where these Israelites are right now it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster but their trust and their faith is in God that's the context for the scripture we're going to read in Exodus chapter 17 verse 8 because right then and there at the highest high The next challenge is just on the horizon. The very next sentence we read from verse eight, it says this, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Let's just pause there for a second. Immediately, I mean, it's like, we're gonna die. We need water. God is like, here is water. And they're like, yay, water. And then immediately we are attacked. By the Amalekites, there's an army coming to destroy us. Have you ever felt like life is just relentless? That every time you win, there's another challenge, and then you're like, "God, thank you so much." And then there's another challenge. You're like, "God, can the challenges stop?" And He's like, "Yeah, look, here's rest, here's peace." And then there's another challenge. It's like, "God, <laughs> can the challenges stop?" And He's like, "No. It <laughs> just that's life. It's the reality." How many of us are feeling that way right now? That's how the Israelites feel. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill Now watch this. I want you to see what happens next. This is one of these inexplicable miracle moments in the Bible. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it The Lord is My Banner. Keep that in mind. He said, because hands were lifted up against or to the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Now this story, you might have heard it a couple of times. I'm just going to... Bring this out again, just so that we fully understand. Coming out of this water, this miraculous moment, the Amalekites come and attack the Israelites. And as soon as they do that, Moses says to Joshua, his second-hand man, right-hand man, go and get some men of war. Go get our strong guys and go and fight them. I'm gonna go to the top of the hill and I'm gonna go with the staff of the Lord. And I'm gonna stand there, right? And we're gonna fight the Amalekites. And so they do. And so Moses raises his hands to God. In this moment, we're not told if God told him to do it. We're not told how he discerned or how he understood what he had to do. But we know that he knew he had to raise his hands to God. And as he did that, the Israelites were fighting and winning the battle. As soon as his hands lowered, then they would begin to lose the battle. And so Aaron and her, Aaron was the brother of Moses and her was one of the elders of the Israelites, probably one of the, the, the more respectable men, he was probably close to Moses. They came and they raised up his arms and they gave him something to sit on and Moses' arms were raised to heaven until the battle was won. It says until sunset. And as that happened, Joshua and the men of war, the the fighters and warriors from the Israelites won the battle. It's this unbelievably interesting and inexplicable moment. We don't know why his hands being raised allowed them to win the battle other than as soon as his hands were raised, God moved. And I want you to think about this for a second. These guys who were fighting, do you think that they were fighting softer when Moses' arms went down? Like his arms went down, they were like, okay, cool, we can take a break, you know, and lean on their swords. No, they were fighting hard the whole time, right? They're fighting for their lives. What is the difference that Moses' arms made? I've been asking myself this question and seeking God. What is the difference? No, these guys were fighting. Whether Moses' arms were up or down, they were fighting as hard as they possibly could, putting in all the effort that they possibly could, doing everything they could to win the battle. And so it wasn't on their shoulders. It wasn't them. They were doing everything that they could. Somehow... It was all on Moses' shoulders. And I want you to see this. There's so much gold in the story. And one day we'll take a moment, we'll, we'll go through all the depths of these two stories that are linked together and what they mean for us and how God's heart and life is shown through these stories. There's so much to be said about those who you surround yourself with, right? People who will either raise your arms up or allow you to fall, right? It's so important who we choose to have around us. But today, I don't really wanna focus on Aaron and her, I want to focus on Moses. Because at this point in time, it is all on Moses' shoulders. And I don't know if you've ever felt this way. Like everything is on your shoulders. It's people's lives. I mean, think about this. God is putting people's lives on Moses' shoulders, whether he raises or lowers his arms. There are people's lives in the balance. There is the nation of Israel getting towards the promised land or being completely destroyed by the Amalekites. You know, all of it is on his shoulders. And I ask myself, why? Why did God do this? Was it to test Moses? Is it a game to God? Like, is God playing with people's lives in this moment? And honestly, I think it's in a moment like this that you and I can come to God and realize that sometimes we feel this way. Like, my relationship is all on my shoulders. Like, I'm doing everything. You know what? I'm putting in all the effort, and my spouse is doing nothing. It's all on me. If I don't do it, if I don't make it happen, it never gets done. If I don't wash the dishes, no one's going to do it. That is not a reflection of my house. My wife is amazing, and everything is beautiful in my home. It really is. But it's true, it's real, you know? Like if I don't make a plan, we won't do it. If I don't organize my spouse, then they're never organized. If I don't take care of the kids, no one will. If I don't do all the work at my job, then no one's gonna do it. If I'm not the one that shows up early, leaves late, then things don't get done. It's all on my shoulders. In this moment, it was all on Moses' shoulders, And time and time again, Moses picks up his arms, raises them to God, and he gets tired and his arms fall. And it's like running up to that finish line and falling right in front of it. He can see the battle is winning and he's trying his best, but he just can't keep his arms up any longer. And as they fall, the Amalekites start to win the battle. And time and time again, Moses raises his arms. He picks his arms up. He picks it up again. And then his brother and her come and they help him. And they raise his hands. Time and time again, until sunset. The whole day, this battle ensues. And his arms are picked up. And in fact, even though everything is on Moses' shoulders... You know that in this moment, it's not actually about Moses. It's not actually about Moses' hands. We think all the time about Moses' hands being raised to God. And there's something so beautiful about this idea of lifting up hands towards God, giving God praise, giving God space, giving God the room to fight the battle for us. So beautiful. But you know that in this moment, it's not about Moses' hands. It's about the staff. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. If you know the story and you've grown up and and you know all about it, it's not about Moses. It's about the staff. If you read that story again, he says, I'm going to go to the top of the hill and I'm going to raise up the staff. I'm going to the top of the hill with the staff of God. And again, if you go back to that series we spoke about, and you you listen to the message about the staff, you're going to get a little bit more context to this, but in very short, the staff that Moses carried with him is a representation of Jesus. Anytime Moses needed a miracle, It was the staff that he used. Any time that he needed to do something in Egypt to show forth the power of God, it was the staff that he used. When they get to the Red Sea, it is the staff he stretches over the waters and the seas part. It is the staff that he breaks the rock with and it's the staff that he raises up and they win the battle. Later on in the book of Numbers, you find this story where the Israelites are bitten by snakes and serpents and they're dying from the venom. And God tells Moses to make a bronze image of a serpent and raise it up on a staff. We don't have exactly the idea of what staff that is, but I believe it was the staff that Moses carried with him. And as it was raised up, if you come into the New Testament, we see the understanding that just as that serpent was raised up, Jesus was raised up to take the sins and the brokenness. As they raised that bronze serpent on the staff up, people would look to it and be healed from their, sorry, and be healed from their sickness, from that venom. In the same way, when we look to Jesus who was raised up on that cross, we are healed of our sin, of our brokenness. The staff is a representation of Jesus. So what's happening in this moment? What is Moses doing? Is Moses raising his hands up? Is Moses raising himself up? Is Moses raising the Israelites up? No, Moses is raising Jesus up. He's raising our Lord up. He's saying, you know what? This is not about me. This is about Jesus. This battle is not mine. This battle belongs to Jesus. Even though I am tired, I'm going to raise my hands to Jesus again because He is my faith. He is my restorer. He is my Savior. He is the one and only God who can win the battle for us. It's not about Moses. It wasn't about the strength of arms. It was about Jesus being lifted up. And as Jesus is lifted up, the battle is won. The battle is won. And time and time again, we feel like we can't do it and We can't raise our hands up. And it's because sometimes we're so focused on how tired we are, what our arms are doing. We forget that what we're actually doing is raising up and lifting up the image of Jesus. To say, you know what, in my relationships, it's not about me or my spouse, I'm going to raise Jesus up in my relationships. I'm going to love my spouse again because Jesus first loved me. I'm going to love that person who doesn't love me because Jesus has already given me forgiveness and life. I'm going to go back into work when nothing makes sense and I'm going to give my all because when I do, I shine Jesus And that impacts people far beyond what my job can do. That can change everyone's world, everyone's life. And as we do this, God gives us the victory. The point of picking it up again is not the effort that we put in. You know what? If we can't do it, God will bring people around us that will help us. If we can't raise our hands again, He'll make sure there are people that can raise us up when we can't. It's not about the effort we put in to raise ourselves, but the fact that we are raising our arms to Jesus, to surrender to him, to raise that staff up, to say, you know what? It's not me, but him, the author and the finisher of our faith. And you know what? That takes effort. It takes effort to say, Jesus, it's not making sense, but I'm gonna praise you anyway. It takes effort to say, you know what, Jesus, I can't make it to church today, but I'm gonna watch online anyway and I'm gonna engage. It takes effort that when everything is difficult and nothing makes sense, we say, you know what, I'm gonna go to church and I'm gonna praise my King. I'm gonna lift up worship to him, even though my life is difficult, even though it doesn't make sense. I'm gonna go to church with my spouse, I'm gonna fight with him in the car all the way to church. I'm going to praise God with him and with her, and then he's going to sort it out for me. I'm telling you right now that there is something powerful about in your circumstance and in your difficulty raising up a praise to our Jesus. We lift Jesus higher. And as we do that... Everything changes. It wasn't the effort. It wasn't the type of swords. It wasn't that they got a second wind. That Israelite army was beaten and smashed. And they were not fighters. They were not warriors. These were slaves. They're just a couple months out of Egypt. They're not a nation and an army. They're not a standing army. They're just guys who know how to lay bricks. And now they have to fight. And they're doing everything that they can. But every time Moses raises the staff, something happens. In the supernatural, something happens in the atmosphere that we can't see, that we can't perceive with our eyes. It's not something that happens in the natural. It's something that God does. It's not something you and I create. It's something that God breathes into situations. And things change, not because you made effort, not because you made it happen, but because the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ did it for you. And that is something that takes faith. To say, Jesus, it might not have worked out yet. You know, that battle wasn't won instantaneously. He didn't raise the staff up in one go and all of a sudden they just wiped out the Amalekites. There are instances where crazy things have happened. But in this moment right here, it took till sunset, it took the whole day. And I'm telling you now, it was tough for Moses. He was standing there watching his brethren, some of whom were being killed at that point in time. And instead of going down to fight with them, he continues to do what God has called him to do, raise up the staff. Today I want to tell you that you know what you need to do. You know who God has called you to be. You know what your role is at work. I know you're contemplating quitting. I know you're contemplating throwing in the towel, but you know who God has called you to be. As you are who God has called you to be, and you raise Jesus up, he's gonna change it all. You know who you've been called to be as a spouse. You know who you've been called to be. As you step into who God has made you to be, be confident in that. Love your spouse, love your kids, love your job. And as you do that, raise Jesus up. Praise Him. Give Him glory. Raise that staff up again. Pick it up again and raise it high. Even if you've dropped it, even if you're the one that said, you know what, Jesus, I can't do this anymore. And you know what, I'm not even interested in it anymore. Maybe you're the one throwing in the towel on your marriage, throwing in the towel at your workplace or on that business or on that ministry or that idea. Maybe you're the one who's who's giving up on the dreams. I'm telling you today, even if you're the one who's dropped the ball, Pick it up again, even if it's you who has run towards the finish line. Stand up again and let Jesus breathe life into you this morning. I'm here to encourage you today. He has come to breathe life into you. And so I'll say it again. Pick yourself up. Pick the ball up. Let your hands be lifted to the king again. And see him give you victory. I don't know what you're facing right now. Across this room, you can just let your heart be lifted to God. I don't know what your battle is. I don't know what your Amalekite is. I don't know what your challenge is. But I know that the solution to every challenge is Jesus Christ. It's his grace and it's his mercy. It's his power. It's the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to do what you cannot do. To change your heart. To change your spouse's heart to change the atmosphere in your workplace. These are things that only God can do. Right now, wherever you might find yourself, whatever challenge you might face, will you just lift that to God for a moment? I'd love to pray with us that we might have a second wind to raise our hands one more time to Jesus and to lift him high. And so across this room, you're welcome to bow your heads, close your eyes. Just get alone with Jesus. It's your moment with Jesus if you're in this place and you are going through a challenge like this, then right now, will you just raise Jesus up? Will you physically, as a prophetic gesture, raise your hands towards the king and lift Jesus high? Lord God, right now in our challenges, we are raising Jesus up to you. We are not lifting ourselves or our problems, We're not lifting our difficulties. We are lifting you. We are giving you praise. We are giving you worship. We are reminding ourselves that you are the one who brings supernatural breakthrough to us. We are reminding ourselves that you are the one who does things that we cannot do who makes a way in the desert, who brought water out of that rock, who lifted up the the Red Sea and made it open for us to walk through. You are the one who brings the miracles to us. And so today, we might have dropped the ball. We might have fallen right before the finish line. We might feel like it's never gonna happen. But right now, we lift our difficulties and our challenges to you. And we lift the name of Jesus high above them. Lord, will you pour out your grace on us again, your mercy on us again? Will you remind us that we don't fight the battle? Will you remind us that it's not us that puts the effort in, but that we just simply need to lift the name of Jesus high, and you will win the battle for us. And so right now, I pray for every person whose hands are raised high right now. I pray for their situations. And I declare Jesus on your circumstance. I declare the name of Jesus over your finances. I declare the name of Jesus over your relationships. I declare the name of Jesus above your difficulties, above your sickness, above your lack, above your difficulty, into your marriages, into your relationships. I speak right now your life into every person here. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, Amen, Amen. Can we give a round of applause to Jesus? Will you raise Jesus up in your life? Will you be intentional about not raising the problem, but raising Jesus? That when you are so tired, you don't need to raise yourself up again and fight your way through the battle. You just simply need to raise Jesus high. And as you praise Him, and worship him, he will change your circumstances. I believe that with all my heart. In Jesus' name. Hey everyone, we have now come to the end of our message and we would love to hear from you. So there's a few ways that you can contact us. You can either drop a comment in the chat below or you can visit our website which is www.collective.org.za and you can contact us from there. We just want to thank you for joining us again today and our messages come out weekly so we'll see you again next week.